This is Issues 2021. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wichita Police Chief Gordon Ramsey. Welcome to Issues 2021, this new year, huh? Good morning. Happy New Year. Yeah, 2020 was a tough year for just about everybody. It wasn't easy for Wichita's crime fighters either. We have a substantial increase, or we saw a substantial increase in homicide cases, 52 in 2020, up uh, from 36 in 2019. What do you think is behind that sharp increase, Chief? Well, I think, um, you know, last year essentially was turned upside down with COVID. Uh, COVID, I think, stressed out a lot of people. There was uh, the, the courts closed down for a significant amount of time, and they are still operating at a fraction of their speed in how they're processing cases. So that's created a, a large backlog in, you know, processing our criminal suspects. Um the jail for concerns over COVID, uh, you know, is not keeping people as long. A lot of people aren't being sent to prison because of COVID. Um, so it really kind of is the perfect storm. And at the heart of it is an increase in crime. Not to mention the, uh, you know, some of the uh, anti-police sentiment, the police reform issue, where I think uh, some people have lost respect or belief in the criminal justice system and you know, maybe are making some decisions based on the fact that they think they may not be held accountable. Well, with several factors there. One of the things, as you mentioned, the county jail is full, and this includes, uh, what, 110 inmates charged with murder in the Sedgwick County Jail. An all-time high. So it's, you know, one of the things that you look at when um, you see an increasing homicide rate is, are we clearing these cases? Are we catching the suspects? And we are. We're catching a lot of them significantly higher than the national average. So some, there's something more to it than what has happened in the past where uh, the drivers for, for crime increases are just have been different. Yeah, and you mentioned something. That was my next question. Uh, the clearance rate uh, for Wichita seems to be, uh, from what I've heard, it's pretty, pretty good, really good compared to similar-sized cities. What about that? We are probably have one of the highest clearance rates in the country for cities of our size. In uh, 2019, we had a clearance rate into the 90s for percentile. Um, that is very high, and it speaks to the uh, abilities of our detectives, and it speaks to our relationship with our communities where people are providing information to make sure that we hold people accountable for their crime. Now, when you talk about the crime rates in, in 2020, uh, are there other numbers uh, to share, I- I other crimes, via, such as rape and robberies, things like that? What are the trends there? Uh, well, commercial robberies were down significantly. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the increase in cameras. Uh, and we catch a lot of our commercial robberies, too. Again, our clearance rate for commercial robberies is very high. When I think of... Uh, you know, the commercial robberies that we have had this year, again, a significant number of them were apprehended. I think that has something to do with it. But there is some odd changes in, you know, the crime statistics. Our burglaries continue to plummet. Our home burglaries continue to plummet uh, from years past, reaching some of our all-time lows. We can't find numbers as low as we have today for residential burglaries. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the increase in cameras, that people have in their homes or on their homes. That's a good point. What about what about uh, rapes, violent uh, sexual assaults? Uh, yeah, you know, those ebb and flow, they were up just slightly last year. Um, 
aggravated, you know, significant domestic assault was up, uh, has been up every year for like the last six, seven years. We received a grant uh, this summer to have a team that focuses on apprehending violent domestic abusers. And we got some preliminary results. This team started, this team of six started in October. And some of the preliminary results of our aggravated domestic violence calls, uh, they've dropped uh, by double digits since this team has started because they have the time to go and find where these offenders are hiding and these offenders are being held accountable. And a lot of our serious, uh, our aggravated domestic violence offenders are also committing other crimes as well. So uh, this team, preliminary results is fascinating at how our, for the first time in five, six years since they started in October, our AGDV numbers are dropping by double digits. Wow, that, that is impressive because I know that's been a huge problem uh, in the past. How, how is, uh, are there any indications that, that the pandemic has had an impact on domestic violence cases? People are more indoors and more, more confined, right? Yeah, we we did see a slight increase uh, at the start of the lockdown, uh, it, and then the increase that continued after that was more in line with the, what we've been seeing the last few years, um, with some blips for uh, you know misdemeanor domestic violence charges. Well, it's going to continue to be a problem. And uh, what can it sounds like you've done one thing that's working pretty well, but are there other things that can be done? Uh, by the police and law enforcement uh, to combat domestic violence. This is a problem that's going on for years now. Right. Well, a lot of this increase in crime, um, you know, uh, myself and the members of this department, we take it personal, right? Homicides are uh, very disturbing to all of us, and we want to do everything we can to catch and apprehend the suspects. But the reality is, is that our system is a little bit out of equilibrium right now. Um, Things aren't working like they have in the past. Um, when we were still getting homicide calls and domestic violence calls, the rest of the system had had shut down. And as a result, there's this huge clog in the system that is there and is going to be there for a significant amount of time that I feel is one reason why these numbers are going up. And we really need to talk about how we can get that system back working at its most efficient, uh, the most efficient possible and what is it going to take? I think there's going to have to be some money that goes into our courts to feed these, to feed the process along. We may have to have night court. Um, you know, we may need to look at uh, how are we going to, we've got like uh, seven, 800 felony charges that are waiting to go to court because they're only working at a fraction of at where they were. And then they have those months where they were closed down. So this is something that we really need to talk about getting our courts back and operating effectively so that we can hold these offenders accountable because right now the accountability isn't there like it was. You, you talk about the, the people you've been arresting in 2020 in the past few months. What about teens? Seen a, an increase in, in teen arrests? I know they're probably out there running around these days. No doubt. Um, the fact that the schools are closed, that there's not the sport opportunities, that you know, just the, the extracurricular activities that are not there We've seen an increase in graffiti uh, throughout the city. We've seen an increase in just kind of the nuisance crimes associated with uh, youth not having activities. So, um, you know, we're really hoping that we can get our schools back operating uh, 
to how they were pre-COVID and we can get our kids back in sports uh, and give them activities to occupy their time because a lot of it is being occupied in ways that is not healthy for our kids. We've talked before about the fact that your officers are more and more are facing people in the street who have uh, mental disorders and uh, drug disorders and they're, they're, they're acting, for another for lack of a better term, they're acting wacky or crazy. And uh, this has become quite a, quite a problem now. Uh, one of the interesting things you and the city have done, you have special teams that go out in some of these situations. And, and how's that working out? It, well, it's, it's working out really well. And it's something we've talked about long before the reform efforts that came up this year. You and I have talked about it, the need for uh, expanding uh, social services to those that really are suffering from mental health issues. And what's happened, though, is that oftentimes 911 is the funnel for these type of calls. Um, it's the only number you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and get a government official to respond when people don't have any other options. So uh, we have built up a team of uh, uh, social workers now, growing cadre of social workers and caseworkers, whether it be partnering with EMS and um, Comcare and a police officer that go out. It's called ICT-1. It's a a 40-hour-a-week operation where they go on these calls where someone is in mental health crisis and they use all their expertise together on scene to get them stabilized. And those numbers, it is a successful program. They are dropping emergency room visits and they are getting people stabilized. It is an unfunded program for the city using existing resources, but the success they've had has been phenomenal. I'll tell you what. We really need, we need a couple more of those teams, though, because the demand is so great. Well, and, and this is I, obviously one of the answers to this, uh, some of these complaints about police brutality and violence is that these people they're facing are, it's, it's a tough situation. And it sounds like you've got an idea that with a little funding could be really, really good. Absolutely. And I have to say, we do not have an epidemic of, police violence. I mean, when you look at the amount of police calls and the the 900,000 or so police officers are in this country, you're bound to have people that shouldn't be in this profession. But far and away, um, the police officers that are serving this city and throughout this country are are quality human beings. And really the narrative, the national narrative on police has gotten out of whack. And and we want to make sure that we continue to have the best and brightest enter this profession. And if we keep, um, you know, disparaging police and um, putting down the profession, we're not going to get the best and brightest to enter. And when you or I call 911, we want the best and brightest police officer to come to our house when we need help. And uh, we need to continue to recognize that this is a noble profession and that the majority of people serving in it are good people. You're listening to Issues 2021 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Wichita Police Chief Gordon Ramsey. Uh, when do uh, when do your officers receive COVID nineteen vaccinations if they haven't already? <laughs> when do they? Yeah, start? they haven't. We um, <laughs> we haven't heard. We know what tier we're in, um, but um, the uh, we haven't received communication on exactly when it will be. We're anticipating and hoping it will be this month. Okay. Well. I hope that if I start getting the vaccination before the police officers do, something's <laughs> upside down there. Well, well there was some talk about putting inmates up uh, at the top of the, the well, chart before. Uh, you know, that's it. I'm not sure where that stands. Well, that jail's a Petri dish over there for that kind of thing. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 
Say, I'm going to go backtrack just a little bit on this uh, in 2020 Americans confronting the issue of uh, police brutality. And uh, how did Wichita fare during those few weeks of protests? Uh, some of them turned violent. Uh, we did pretty well, did we not? We did. And, you know, that's one thing with everything that was going on this year. Um, I don't know if our community realized um, how fortunate we were that they they didn't turn violent. We had a couple days where um, there were some issues, but overall, in comparison with peer cities and even cities a fraction of our size, we did not have the issues. And I do think a lot of it has to do with uh, our officers' work with community relations and the way we handled those protests when they were going on, that we... We determined the right uh, pressure on the gas so that we didn't escalate things, but yet we kind of kept them under the control with an exception or two where, you know, we had some uh, rocks and bottles and we had a gas station that was looted. But overall, when we compare ourselves to other cities, uh, and I hear how other cities handled it, I think our leadership team and our police officers handled it very well. And I think Part of one reason why we didn't have the issues was the way the police handled themselves. And, and another part of it is you had gone out, uh, your officers, and met with uh, people in the community and knew who you needed to talk to uh, to be the, the leaders to, to keep things uh, keep things quiet, right? Yeah, we, we had significant help from uh, our community in helping to keep things calm uh, and recognizing that, you know, we had put money in the bank. Our officers had, had taken the time to build relationships over the years with uh, the community and that, uh, people know our cops and they know, um, how we police. And it is, uh, it is one with the community and community policing is at the heart of how we, uh, work with our community. You, you look at those protests, however, and, uh, have you, uh, has the police department altered anything in its training after all the protests? Have you said, hey, here's something something new to think about, something new in the book there that you're using to train? Yeah, the way these protests, the protests this year were like none other. Um, so you couldn't compare it to how we had handled past protests or how cities have handled protests in the past. We had, uh, in some cases, people would bring frozen water bottles and rocks ready to pelt. Um you know, uh, cities across the country recognize that the longer that these things went on, if people weren't held accountable, you know, there was no end in sight. So, you know, we did use some different tactics to hold people accountable who were breaking the law. It was not necessarily confronting them at the protests, but identifying them um, after the fact and, you know, taking that action for their behavior, holding them accountable for their behavior afterward. You know, this, uh, I'm going to use the naughty words, defund police, and it just appeared to be a movement at one time, but it looks to me like it's lost a lot of steam, uh, not getting a lot of support. What do you think about the, the defund the police movement, if there is one? Yeah, well, to be honest, um, you know, the whole idea gets at the heart of who I am and what I believe in, and, and it's offensive because I believe and am passionate about the role police play in society. And all the good we do. And I spend a lot of time on the street. And, and if we didn't have police officers. Now, we all want, we would all love utopia, right? Where you don't have to worry about things getting stolen. You don't have to worry about safety. But the reality is, is we're far from it. And we need police. And we will always need police. Um, and the city has to balance, um, you know, providing libraries, streets, uh, parks with providing that safety. And I, and I agree 
but people don't use those things if they don't feel safe. So um, we have crime right now that we can't investigate because we don't have enough people. Uh, and I'm talking along the lines of, you know, some property crimes and uh, maybe some minor assaults that we just can't get to because of volume. If we cut police, you know, there'll be a lot of things that we don't get to. And I'd be worried uh, for the sake of my children and my family. Police are necessary in the world we live in. You know, I I used to watch when I was a pretty pretty religious watcher of the television show Cops, and uh, I would sit there with my wife, and I would get physically upset uh, and want to reach through the screen and start punching people. Uh, so I I know I wouldn't make a very good police officer, but you know, and and harkening back to my basketball days, we had a coach who said, "Guys, don't lose your poise." In the heat of battle, you can be overcome by adrenaline, but uh, that's it's a tough deal when you're on the streets there and you're confronted with that situation. Policing is tough, and I go out and I see, um, you know, the the challenges that our officers face, and they are tested and tested, and probably police officers are tested more today than ever before. And keep in mind, uh, while I, uh, you know, uh, believe in police and uh, – uh, love cops, but the reality is is that uh, cops are just like everybody else. They are standard issue people. They have emotions. They have days where uh, you know they're not feeling that great. They have bad days, and uh, they get paid a mediocre wage to go out there and keep our communities safe. And sometimes cops make a bad decision. And as a community, how do we treat? How do we want to handle those cases where? You know, a, a police officer who has a good record and has has done a good job, but, you know, has a bad day and does something that uh, doesn't fit with policy and my expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we're dealing with today, because everything these guys and gals do now is recorded on video. That's true. It's true. Let's switch up for just a second here and talk about something you and I have talked about. Before. That's drugs and how they relate to violent crimes. It's- do drugs have an impact? People using drugs, right? Oh, tremendous. Uh, our violent crime has almost all of our violent crime, not all of it, but pretty close, has a nexus to drugs. Is, it, is meth still the big culprit? Meth is still a big culprit. What we saw this year was pretty interesting when the roads, you know, when uh, COVID first hit and people weren't traveling as much and the roads kind of shut down and some states even had checkpoints. Um, you know, to keep uh, COVID under control, we saw meth prices go up. And we saw, we've seen an increase in other drugs now popular. Why meth is still very high and still our most biggest problem drug here. We've seen an increase in the synthetic drugs. Uh, and with addiction, you remember the key is accessibility and price. Mm. And uh, some of the synthetic drugs are accessible and cheap. Yeah. So, uh, among our homeless community, we've seen the biggest increase with synthetic drugs, which is uh, oftentimes it's more akin to uh, PCP in how it behave, how an individual behaves after using some of these synthetics. So we see you know, people run, pull, ripping off their clothes, running around, uh, acting very abnormal uh, as a result of the use of these synthetic drugs and definitely have seen an increase this year in synthetics. And now uh, we've spent enough time on the issues uh, that are concerning, but now it's time to get to the real issue, and you need to tell us about the tackle and torn pants story. (laughs) 
Well, um, I was just coming into work and um, on Kellogg, you know, and and I like to say Kellogg sometimes can be it should be its own reality TV show. Your morning drive on Kellogg, right? <laughs> but um, all of a sudden, cars come to a screeching halt, and I hadn't put on a uniform that day. Just didn't didn't wear one. Usually, I do most of the time, but. Uh, I see this guy running around cars trying to get in and uh, I'm still very much a police officer at heart. So I see that something's wrong. Like he's trying to carjack or whatever. And I didn't hear on the police radio if he had a gun or weapon or anything. So um, I got out and started chasing after him. And I knew if I grabbed him, I wanted to get him down on the ground and pin his hands as quick as possible so that if he did have a weapon, there wouldn't be any issues. Um, the opportunity came for the tackle and, uh, it was something I was proud of. And I thought afterward, because I felt like I was airborne for several seconds, I thought, boy, I wish I had that on video because that was beautiful. Because I hit him hard because I didn't want him to get back up because I didn't know what this guy had. And I knew he was scaring the heck out of these people trying to get in their cars. Now, sir, there are some, a lot of us who played football would know how to do that. Were you a football player? Did you? I was for a while. I, okay. I, I wasn't very good, though. Well, <laughs> sounds like you made a pretty good hit on this guy. <laughs> So, um, so when you're chasing him, though, you didn't see his hands or know whether he was armed or might have something in his pocket. You just you no, know, that right? was a concern of mine. Yeah, sure. Yep. So I uh, wanted to make sure that he went down and that he, you know, I could hold him there until. And I saw, I saw the officers across the way. You know, I knew they were coming. <laughs> but sadly, I wrecked my my favorite pair of pants. Now, do you have a favorite pair of pants? I mean, <laughs> really. <laughs> How? Why were they your favorites? I, I'm curious. Well, <laughs> nice you know, fit made you look slim. I mean, <laughs> the older you get, you know, there's just some pants that you know they got a little maybe elastic around the waist, and you know, for your for your dad bod or whatever. Yeah. And these, I just love these pants, and uh, they were my favorite pair, and and they got wrecked. Well, I I hope somebody replaced them for you. Uh, did Did you have to buy your own pants then, or did somebody get get some more for you? Well, so this this community is awesome. Uh, someone started a GoFundMe account for a new pair of pants for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it got up to eighteen hundred and forty dollars. Wow, that's so, you must have got a really good pair of pants. For that. <laughs> well, we took that money and we gave it to a there family that uh, there you in go. need. Good for you. Yeah. Good it for turned you. out well. I can only say this: that it's a good thing it wasn't the city manager out there because he used to run track and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he would have run up there and tried to talk. But anyway, listen, uh, uh, kind of a lighthearted moment. You guys are doing a tough job. And uh, yeah, by, uh, we may not tell you very often, but the citizens appreciate that, at least uh, when we're not being pulled over for a ticket or something like that. So you keep up the good work and, and uh, keep practicing that tackle. That looked pretty good. Steve, we want to provide a good service to this community, and we appreciate everybody's support. All right. Are you, is there any uh, truth to the rumor that you're going to try out with, for the Kansas City Chiefs next year? <laughs> well, this would be the year to do it. Oh, huh? man. I don't know how long I'd last. <laughs> All right. Again, hey, thanks so much for spending some time thanks, with us. Steve. We appreciate it. It's, uh, our Happy guest is uh, Wichita Police Chief Gordon uh, Ramsey. And that's all for this edition of Issues 2021. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.